0: Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Schreck podcast series. Autonomous vehicles, drones, and artificial intelligence have not only captured the attention of the public but also the U.S. government. As policymakers begin to consider establishing new federal rules, Jeff Burr and Greta Joins, in a discussion moderated by Mark Begich, provide a roadmap for how Congress and the administration may approach regulating these emerging technologies.
1: Welcome back to another Brownstein Podcast. I'm Mark Baggage, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Greta Joinus and Jeff Burr. Uh, The topic of the day is innovation technology. And, you know, it used to be when you said that it was cell phones and computers. (laughs) Today, it's much different. It's drones, autonomous vehicles, artificial intelligence, which some people aren't sure what exactly that means. Uh, And it's an amazing array of technologies now the president has put in his proposed budget or announced that he would put in his proposed budget a, a new initiative potentially of a billion dollars in funding on research and development of non-defense artificial intelligence, which is a significant – seems to be a significant investment in, in this world that we're in with artificial intelligence. And I'm going to really start with you, Greta. I mean AI, as people call it, and a lot of times when you say that to people, they go, AI, what are you talking about? Artificial intelligence is an amazing shift at what's going on and what it means or what it could mean. You know, there's a lot of conversation 20 years out, 30 years out. There might be, you know, 30 percent, 40 percent less workforce because of AI. Mm -hmm. And so you have congressional people are concerned about that job impact. But then you have uh, congressional people very uh, interested in what this can do. Tell me kind of where – What's happening? What's the administration thinking with their maybe billion dollars? But also, where's the uh, legislative activity on this?
2: You know, I think I think you highlighted the part of the, the the major problem is that people haven't really been able to identify what AI means in a practical sense on Capitol Hill and in some parts of the administration. I think that the White House is increasingly focused on trying to bring more uh, folks into the AI type of technology. I I think there is a concern in the White House and at the agencies that if we don't start investing in AI now, we're going to be way far behind and the private sector is going to be moving it in advance and the... You know, the government will be behind and and we won't quite be able to interact in the way that we should as, you know, the regulatory body for uh, many of these industries.
1: Do, do I ask you a quick question? Sure. Do you think that – this is always with technology. It seems like government, at least my time when I served in the Senate, you could never catch where the no. private sector is. So no. we would over – Almost like late to the game, and then we'd overthink it and put so much layering down that it made, innovation became not stagnant, but it, it crippled it a little bit. Sure. is that potentially what could happen here with AI? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I think you know, as you try to regulate tech, especially innovative tech, I mean, by the time a law gets signed in, you know, gets signed by the president, generally that law is out of date, right? It, right. you just you you can't keep up. Things things move too fast in, in the private sector. Now I think I think it is important, however, for the government to decide where could AI fit into what we do? How could it be useful to us? And let's see how we can innovate and invest in those technologies. I don't think that the government can go out and create its own AI type of systems right. with internally, right? I think that's a waste of money and it's a, it would just be crazy expensive. However, I think taking a strategic look at look in the workforce of the future in 20 or 30 years, how can we make sure that the federal government is on par with what we're doing in the private sector because you don't want to have a type of workforce in the government that is, you know, strikingly different than what is in the private sector. You don't want people using ancient technology there and then Really advanced technology, kind out. of
1: like beta technology, VHS, DVD. <laughs> right. Which one do you laser use? Laser disc, laser disc, and <laughs> Blu-ray, and now it's all gone. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Let me ask Jeff. You you were chief of staff to Secretary Chow, and uh, when I think of DOT, Department of Transportation, you know, I remember here we had a presentation at Brownstein by a group. That was interested in working with us on some technology, and they were a company that did a lot of work around um, trucks, you know, moving, you know, from point A to point B, um, supplies, equipment, so forth. But using this kind of autonomous vehicle, another I love this—it's AI, AV, you know—it's very simple, but autonomous vehicles that are becoming kind of this conversation in your experience at DOT, or obviously now here at Brownstein. Uh, are we starting to see companies starting to try to figure out where's their space here? I know Uber has you know, been thinking about how they and there's getting some friction in some places on that. But tell me kind of what you're. Yeah, there's a weird tension there because what's going on
0: with autonomous vehicles, in my view and in my experience of the department, is that parts of it are moving so much slower than people think. Mm -hmm. And full deployment of a fully autonomous car onto roads and highways is probably further away than a lot of people think. But there's other things that are happening in the AV space that are happening right now that people don't even know about. And we're working with a company that's about to deploy um, some autonomous shuttles on a private road and a fixed route that will take people from place to place. And that's happening on military bases. That's happening um, on some college campuses, mm-hmm. actually.
1: And, and What will that do? Will it take, I mean, basically, a, again, a fixed route mm-hmm. and because it's an enclosed environment, basically, a college right. campus. Or and a, and a predictable
0: or kind of traffic patterns. environment. And, mm-hmm. and you don't have things like people trying to parallel park.
1: Which is interesting. That's autonomous vehicle, but also AI. It's a combination of this Absolutely. technology.
0: But, you know, so, so some things are much further off. Often some things are, are much closer, but I mean one of the things, the greatest opportunities that um, autonomous vehicles present are mobility for people that are that have trouble getting around whether they're disabled or for whatever reason, um, and safety. Uh, something like 95 percent of the forty thousand of motor vehicle deaths uh, we have each year are caused by human error. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, presumably, if you take humans
1: out of that equation, um, it should go decrease,
0: down. That number should go down.
1: What, what, For for both of you, um, you know, I think of autonomous vehicles, artificial intelligence, all of this has some layering of people who in Congress who look at these technologies. And I hate to say this, it's somewhat generational, you know, that they see, wow, what does this mean? It interferes with my privacy, my control. Uh, What does this do to me? Are we hearing anything in Congress that – Is starting to percolate that concern, or is that starting to get alleviated as people become more aware of what these technologies do? You know, in the sense of their own privacy, security. Uh, independence, I guess. I I think Greta probably knows more about the privacy
0: side than I do. So I'll let her talk about that. But on the safety side, I don't think people's blood pressure is coming down on that. I think it's only going up. Uh, But to allude to what you alluded to earlier, when when I got to the Department of Transportation um, uh, with this administration in uh, 2017, What we saw was an approach by the previous administration of creating a lot of new rules and a lot of new regulations for these industries for drones and autonomous vehicles. And because of that, all of the innovators, all of the companies were deciding to go to other countries to do their innovations where there weren't the rules, um, rules like this they needed to comply with. So our goal was to try to figure out how to keep things safe. But to maybe relax or get rid of rules that didn't add safety values, create an environment where innovators say, I want to spend my money in the United States, I want to keep my technology and my intellectual property and all of that here, uh, as opposed to going to places like Australia where a lot of them were going where there there weren't the same rules.
1: Greta, in the sense of the privacy issue, with artificial intelligence, um, it seems that People aren't sure what it all means yet. Is there a concern among Congress, or is it one of those things that okay, we don't know really what it is, but we should just keep moving and see what happens? Or what is what's your I, sense there?
2: To be honest, I think there's very a very select group of people who understand what AI means in general. On the Are Hill they even right in now. Congress, I can yeah. say this <laughs> as a fast um, member. <laughs> you know, I think I think you saw the same sort of confusion around Internet of Things, right? Yeah. Which was, let's be honest, a terrible name. Internet yeah. of just things. Like yeah. what does that, what does that mean? mean? Right. And it was such a broad <laughs> term. And I I think you have that that same kind of issue with AI. But I in, in regards to privacy, which is, you know, a broader discussion right now on the Hill, which is kind of a mess, to be yes. honest with you. And that's um,
1: cybersecurity, it's everything. Right. It's just kind of this layering that's right. out there that people are very nervous about.
2: I think I think what is happening in particular in AI, which will probably draw a lot of regulatory focus. Is um, people are throwing AI into everything, right? And I think that is is problematic because you know something that you can do doesn't mean you should do. For example, there is um, a couple of companies who are experimenting with AI technology for HR, mm-hmm. which it will inherently cause so many problems and open up these companies potentially to huge lawsuits, right like if if you're doing, for example, sort of like a pre interview with a potential hiring candidate, and you're using AI software to do it. If I have some sort of disability that, you right. know, where I speak differently or my face doesn't move like, a, you know, a, right. it doesn't a facial standard person, right? That's, yeah. And um, then they would flag that as this candidate is potentially, you know, a problem. Right. Right. And I, th- I think you saw this, Google, I believe, tried to do. Um, integrate AI software into their HR um, application system, and they found it was filtering out women and minorities. Wow! Just off the bat, and just focusing on white males. And and um, so I I I'm assuming they
1: they did something about that.
2: They they ended that pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
2: But I, you know, that's the risk, right? Right. That that's absolutely the risk. So I I think what you're seeing now, as we're kind of in the infancy of you know deploying AI technology broadly, is you're going to see a lot of people throwing it into a lot of things where it shouldn't be there. Right. And so as you see more of these stories and these you know problem cases arise. In the press, I think you're going to see more congressional focus on it, which, you know, I, th- I think will be interesting to see how these companies try to spin, why this is Why is it better?
0: On, on all of the issues we're talking about, whether it's privacy, technology in general, or just broadly safety, to your earlier point, in my experience in this town, both Congress and the federal agencies get way behind on all these issues. They're behind the technology. They don't understand it. These are not people that have much experience with it. And then right. they way overreact to it. And and so that's, I think, part of the fear here is that you don't want to take something that people really like or something that creates great opportunity to create jobs and create mobility and create safety and convenience and all these things and make it not implementable,
1: not usable. When you think of both of these between uh, autonomous vehicles, artificial intelligence, one thing that's a common thread that I know I hear a lot from congressional people is – what will this do to jobs in the future? When you think autonomous vehicle, truck trucking is a big one, right? Right now, there's a huge gap in how many truck drivers we need. But in the future, it may be one of the things that goes to AV very quickly. And therefore, you're hiring now, training now. But in 10 years or less, you might not need as many. Mm-hmm. Then you think about how art- artificial intelligence works, especially in manufacturing and other things, uh, especially uh, when you take what I call basic information accounting, stuff like that. I can tell you a group I've done some work with, CPAs. um, The auditing function is almost going to be predominantly artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. It won't be someone coming in, grabbing 1% of the files and working the paper. Mm -hmm. Do you think Congress has the capacity to understand how to allow the innovation you you mentioned about not overregulating it and not getting in the way that there is going to be a transformation of employment in this situation? Is there – do they get it yet, or is I mean, it still too new for them to understand that?
2: I think it's, I think it's probably too new. But I also think that a lot of the fears about, hey, the workforce is going to be changing, doesn't mean there's going to be fewer jobs out there. I think, for the large part, they're going to be different. Like if if you go to different kinds of
1: work they need to do.
2: Exactly. I I think there's going to be um you know for example in a restaurant right if i can go ahead and i can order food and i have it brought to my table and i don't interact with a w- server as much right. that just means you're going to have more people in the back because they're going to be more efficiently delivering food so and preparing focus. food and delivering it to the customer
1: That's a great example of real that's that's happening yeah. now
2: Yes exactly yeah. so and i i think if, if you look at companies like McDonald's, for example, which is going to be integrating a lot more of this, they're going to be delivering more food and they feel they're going to be selling more. So I think that um, they're actually hiring more people with the integration of some of these AI technologies into their stores than they were before. So I, I think it's going to be a question of, yes, this type of job might be transitioning to something else. But it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be jobs in that same type of education level or skill set that aren't going to be available to Americans. Right.
0: Do you
1: have any thoughts on that?
0: No, just to to the aspect of of what Congress is going to do. um, I think when you look at the industry entrance, I think they really wrestle with do we want uncertainty, which CEOs typically hate,
1: (laughs) or do we want – rules that we might not like. And we actually get to hear from them a lot. Right? We, we do. We represent a lot of corporate clients here at Brownstone. And today. we do. And the <laughs> other thing I think
0: we hear them saying is, who do I want to be in charge when the rules are initially made? Right. Do I want this administration to be in charge? Do I want the next administration to be in charge? Who do I want to have control of Congress? And yeah. so when you look at things like the autonomous vehicle bill that's been bouncing around, what you've seen is a lot of these big AV entrants at first were like, we're for this. We want to do this. Yeah. And then when they started, I think, to realize, well, if we don't want any bill at all, that's a possible outcome too. Right. Um, maybe we prefer that. Yeah. And so I think they're really struggling to say, do you know, uncertainty versus rules we might not like. That's a really tough decision um, that they all face.
2: And I think what's interesting on that right is that there's been a love affair in DC with tech for a long time. Oh yeah, and that that has ended. Yeah, yeah I think. Especially
1: in the last, I would say, the last fourteen, sixteen months, it seems like I it's think, a hard. Oh yeah. Yeah, a hard divorce. <laughs> I think,
2: especially. Um, you know i think if you look back to cambridge Analytica and facebook mm-hmm. and the you know last election i just think that you know the swing back has been swift yeah. so i think a lot of companies are starting to worry and i think that they should mm-hmm. that hey operating in absence of regulations means that the pushback eventually when um Members realize that perhaps these technologies are detrimental to their constituents in some way is going to be hard and swift, and we are going to take away your jewel pots, right. right. or you know, yeah. or something to that effect. And that's huge. I mean, that's potentially market changing for companies. Right. So I think it makes more sense, and I think is more prudent. Um, to start the engagement early, as opposed to try and disrupt and figure it out later. Because
1: at the end, you know, elected officials, again speaking as a former elected official, what hap you when you respond to something like that, you overcompensate, mm-hmm. and they're usually the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And that is the danger in your your concept of engage early. And it's really now, you know. Bipartisan pushback. You know, it's yeah. not Democrat or Republicans. Both groups have said, "Oh, wait a second here," and so that's an interesting uh, analysis. So let me get to the one last piece of this before we have to close out drones. This is an interesting one. When I was in the Senate, when I when I realized in my first two years, when the Air Force reported they will have more unmanned aircraft purchases year after year than manned aircraft uh, aircraft purchases, it told me real quick that you know this this is the future in many different ways, for especially military. But now it's everything, right?
0: There's a lot of stuff everything. going
1: on right now. Uh, right before I left the Department of Transportation, we announced the Drone
0: Integration Pilot Program where in nine states there's Um, new drone activities being done in ways that weren't permitted before at night outside the line of sight of the operator and over people. But I think a lot of people think that there's like military and news media and food delivery are what they think drones can do. But really one one of them was going to do mosquito eradication. Another uh, is doing defibrillator delivery. And and in places like Africa, they're doing um, blood delivery to to, to remote places. And there's also national security um, or, or just general security implications for them and law enforcement implications. So there, there's more and more and more amazing things um, that they can do, and it's, it's safer and cheaper than the way we were doing it previously. So there's a lot of stuff to be excited about there.
1: Is Congress prepared? on. I, I know when we were there, we a uh, matter of fact, I worked with Senator Thune, and we wrote a piece of legislation in um, two bills to allow centers of excellence for uh, mm-hmm. unmanned aircraft drone development. For people to start experimenting, you know, understanding what this all meant, and it was really an interesting debate because you know no one knew what the FAA especially was like. What does this all mean? And now it's almost like FAA is kind of just it's going. The flow is happening, and they're like getting on the tide as much as they can, but they're not controlling it as I think they thought they would six seven years ago. Yeah, uh, Kong, I think the the speed
0: with which um, drone registrations have gone up and the number of right. drones that are out there was much faster than I think was initially expected. I, I think FAA would tell you themselves they they wish they were able to move a little bit more quickly on things like the remote identification of drone rule that they're working on right now. They're, they're certainly behind schedule on that, but I know they're um, working on it. Yeah. Um, and and Congress has been a little bit critical of them for not moving more quickly. Um, but you know, the FAA setting some of the Boeing things recently aside it, it is a Gold standard safety organization, absolutely worldwide, uh, worldwide, and and they I mean. they want to they want to get this right. They're they're not known for for speed, but they they typically get it right at at, at the end of the day, and they want to make sure that they get this right.
1: Do you think, uh, Greta, in the sense of this kind of technology, drones, unmanned aircraft? Do you think we? It seems like a, the United States seems to be all on this one, really on the cutting edge of this. It seems that way.
2: I think that they are. You know, there's other. In in particular, China has really aggressively tried to push American entrants out of the market, and they've been largely successful in that. Um, I think Israel has some really interesting technology as well. I I think in particular where you're going to see a lot of members who are going to have interest in this is in rural communities. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, to Jeff's point, some of what you're seeing in terms of uh, medical delivery, I mean, that's really important, yep. especially um, medication delivery for the elderly. If you live on a rural farm in the yeah. middle of nowhere, being a, your doctor being able to send a drone with your refill would be life-changing Huge. for yeah. a lot of people. Absolutely. And especially in Alaska. I, I
1: can tell you in Alaska, and, and also when you think about veteran care right now, 25% of all veterans live in rural communities, and there's always a connection of medical needs and yep. services. The other one that we're seeing in northwest Alaska, west coast – is how drones are being utilized or starting to be utilized in fire when there's huge fires occur and try to finding the source rather than sending People in there or spotter planes, right. which is insane. I never understood that. But they have to do it. You've got to figure out where the source is mm-hmm. to p- deploy the right kind of equipment, where this type of technology could literally um, save lives in many ways. And yeah. so it's, it's very lives exciting. And
2: property. And, I mean, it's, it's really amazing how far we've come in such a short oh, period uh, of time amazing. on drones. Amazing, yeah. Um, and, you know, I've gone to CES for, you know, the past several years. And just seeing the technology change year by year it's it's really amazing, and I, th- I think it's really going to be um, a significant change for us um, here in the U.S. And it's
1: a whole new industry. Yeah, those brand new. those jobs are new, right? right? They didn't exist. Years ago, where they are today. Well, and the other thing that's that's closer
0: than people think is is actually moving human beings around by yeah. by drone, uh, air, the air
1: taxi. As you say, how yeah. I can the passenger see. Passenger drone now.
2: was at yeah. CES yeah. and that, it
0: was
1: pretty cool. So what was the? I'm trying to think. The Bruce Willis movie was it Element, or I can't remember what it was. And it was just a wild, it was like George Jetson, on, yeah. on you know in the world we live in today. And I'm yeah. thinking, is that possible? And you have to really think about that for a second. And all you have to do is say, well, yeah, you know, Captain Kirk used to use this flip thing Mm -hmm. and no one (laughs) thought that was real. And now we don't even use a flip thing. We're beyond that. Well, let me, again, from uh, the podcast here here at Brownstein, we do this on a regular basis. And you guys have, uh, again, Jeff and Greta brought some great uh, knowledge. And for people who listen, um, this is a chance for you to hear kind of what we do here, but also where we're trying to keep abreast with everything and the work that we're doing here at Brownstein. So thank both of you for being part of this today
0: thank you for listening to the brownstein high at farber shrek podcast series if you like what you hear please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app visit bhfs.com for more information